0: The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Waggy Isak, a professor and clinical chief of psychiatry at Senior Sinai in Los Angeles, about the importance of addressing mental health issues in physicians. I'm Todd Unger, Amy's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Isak. Uh, the last two years have really taken a toll on everyone, but really on, on this doctor's day in which we're recording this, it's important to recognize that the physician workforce has really had to bear a large burden. Um, are you seeing an increase in mental health issues among your colleagues? And you know, what are you hearing from them?
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Todd. Yeah, and happy uh, Doctor's Day, everyone. Um, yes, it's been it's been tough, and even it precedes uh, the the COVID uh, pandemic uh, that we've seen a lot of uh, physicians um, really having to juggle so many uh, aspects of not just taking great care of patients but also uh, focusing on uh, making their own wellness also a priority, keeping their batteries charged so that they can give the healing power that everyone is in need of. Uh, and so it has been a struggle for uh, physicians and then COVID just brought it totally to the front where it became uh, a lot harder to balance all the demands uh, as well as keeping what one's um, you know uh, illness mm-hmm. in check, I mean, wellness in check.
0: Uh, seems to be a common theme we've been talking about here for a couple of years during this pandemic is the things that were a problem before the pandemic were really made a lot worse. And I don't think anybody would have expected, you know, this kind of trauma level on physicians. I mean, some people have likened it to uh, the pandemic, you know, to a war and, uh, and having, you know, tremendous casualties, uh, not only among our patients, but, you know, really long-term Psycho- psychological impact on physicians and some, uh, you know, experiencing PTSD. You know, maybe not now or even uh, months down the road, is our, our healthcare system equipped to handle that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the issue with, with our healthcare system is that it became uh, a lot of uh, demands that kind of fell on the front line uh, especially physicians and nurses right on the front line, it became um, more uh, of a big struggle with adequate staffing. Um, it wasn't just the long hours because people don't even mind working uh, long hours. But having to kind of lose control over one's schedule, um, uh, losing control over, you know, how uh, flow of, of taking care of people work, uh, including also just really not a lot of reward systems that are in place, uh, not a lot of positive work environments are getting emphasized. Everybody's supporting, and they seem to be supporting. But when it comes down to the front line, you'll see that people are just almost doing it. Um, I hate to admit it, but like they're doing it all in a vacuum. They're doing it alone, and uh, the little rewards they got, like we loved the clapping at uh, you know 6 p.m. Um, and we loved the different things that communities came together to uh, to help uh, healthcare professionals. Yet the healthcare system itself um, and all healthcare systems needed to make a lot more accommodations uh, to enable the workforce to stay active and 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 able to continue to uh, to not only fight the pandemic but also take care of a of a normal you know, in, in, in normal situations that have been there all along. It's just the COVID uh, pandemic was an addition on top of that, you know?
0: Yeah, it's almost, uh, you know, we've been thinking a lot about everything that physicians and these healthcare teams did to help this nation recover. It really is now time as we hopefully emerge from this pandem- pandemic to make sure that we have a recovery plan for our, for our doctors. Uh, and a big part of that is about the mental health impact and the toll it's taken. Um, You are the author and designer of something called the Health Education Program uh, for the Public, which includes uh, a number of online screening tools that help people determine if they have depression or anxiety or uh, other kind of uh, illness or disorders. Uh, But since many physicians don't engage with this kind of uh, self-assessment, what should physicians be watching for in themselves or in colleagues that indicate they might need help.
1: Yeah. And thank you for mentioning that. We, we, we started very early on with, uh, you know, with uh, World Wide Web getting like uh, becoming mainstream in 1996, you know, at NYU with the help of uh, Ben Sadok and many, you know, uh, icons of psychiatry is to try to kind of like value the whole issue of having to take a test in, in your own privacy that gives you a little bit of an indication to see if you, if there is a need to pursue this from a professional uh, point of view. Uh, online testing had, uh, you know, developed way more than our kind of modest start in, in 1996. And to a degree that there are measurements now that people can take and score, they can really uh, check not only anxiety and depression, but also burnout and and even Uh, what we're coming to call now the the whole issue of effort to reward imbalance. And there are scales uh, for that that are available online. One of our favorites of all times for burnout has been the Maslac burnout scale. But there is also the AMA had sponsored Mini-Z. If you just Google Mini-Z, you can get a scale to kind of get a little bit of a sense of your level of burnout. So, the signs are are all over these uh, questionnaires. And and they they start by this triad of feeling exhausted, constantly exhausted. Telling yourself, "I'm so tired." You go on vacation, you sleep, you relax, and you still can't shake this exhaustion off. That's the first warning sign, and it's not necessarily a uh, you know a, a, like all the alarms have to ring, but it's kind of like an early recognition. And then um, with that hand in hand becomes this whole issue of cynicism, like starting to detach a little bit and disconnect from like that healing power that we all have, that reward when, when a patient gets better or concern when they get worse. And I think um, that issue of cynicism starts to kind of like not having this, diff, you know, like not a lot of things make a difference to the person. And then last for physicians, that third warning sign becomes this, this issue of like being inefficient, like can't get a lot done, you know, uh, unable to get through no matter how uh, the tasks are being controlled in quantity and quality. And so these are like very early signs of burnout. And when they come together more with more intensity, then they kind of lead also because it is associated with, um, you know, feeling depressed and sad. And dissatisfied with uh, with the work situation. And then anxiety kicks in because then am I able to like handle, you know, all the critical situations that are come, come my way. So yeah, th- these are some of the signs that we should be all looking for.
0: And as you mentioned, I'd encourage folks out there to check out the resources that AM has, AMA has in terms of assessing uh, burnout. You mentioned the Mini-Z, but our our team here has put together a lot of resources, and then in our Steps Forward modules that are online, also suggestions for ways to address those uh, down the road. But uh, kind of back to what you were talking about, um, you've also researched innov- innovative ways to measure and improve uh, the detection and treatment around depression. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, that research and some of the key things that you found?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say that depression is a very lonely place, uh, even though the whole the affect itself, the feeling of sadness is a universal feeling. We all know what that is. Yet being depressed is a very lonely place because no one really feels that kind of pain the same way with the same intensity. Many times when you see people who, who are experiencing depression are told by their people are close to them or people know them or people... people converse with them, you know, just be grateful, you know, be grateful for what you have. Or they would say, you know, just take a vacation or uh, take a walk. uh, Or like, you need to change your healthy, you know, into more healthy eating habits, as if like these pieces of advice are supposed to kind of like fix the problem. And depression runs a lot deeper than that, because it runs with uh, not only the feeling of sadness, but also, um the 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 feeling of like nothing brings to the person any pleasure anymore that's the sign that we call anhedonia like so the person becomes indifferent to the joy they're supposed Mm -hmm. to feel happy when good things happen they're not really feeling that much the energy level is low they might you know have trouble sleeping or they oversleep they kind of like use sleep as an escape uh, they might be, you know, not eating at all, lost their appetite, or maybe they're just channeling their sadness into like overeating. And so then it, it kind of like it, it, it spirals, you know, because the depression don't just come and go and disappear like that. At times they start the person start to question, you know, what's the point of continuing on? Because once you kind of lose that, you know, kind of normal feeling that we all have is that tomorrow is better than today. Tomorrow is going to bring exciting and new things. You know, once one loses this like whole thing, it's like, you know, is it's, it's I'm sure you've heard that when people say same dot, dot, dot is a different day. Like there's nothing that seemed to be changing and, and like that kind of like futility sense uh, becomes more pervasive. So I think that is like once one gets into these feelings and or observe them in others, it becomes a call into action because so we have very successful treatments. Uh, medications bring down the severity. They don't wipe out the depression completely, but definitely bring the severity down enough for the person to be able to, you know, think and problem solve and participate actively in therapy and engage in life activities that can get them out of depression. Um, so, kind of like always, the approach to it is a three-prong approach: is a medicine just to regulate body functions and and re- reduce the severity therapy or life coaching to kind of like get re-engaged back into life activities and, and that pursuit of happiness. And last but not least is wellness activities. So one that would be engaged in, you know, healthy eating and gratitude and meditation and, and, you know, uh, appreciate the environment and connecting with, uh, with people who, uh, you know, uh, developing these meaningful connections to people Mm -hmm. that we care the most about. Okay.
0: Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. I I couldn't help but think when we were talking about conversations I've had uh, uh, with uh, Corey and Jennifer Feist who um, who, uh, sister and sister-in-law, uh, Dr. Lorna Breen, uh, died by suicide, uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic and their experience is they dug into this issue about the barriers that exist, uh, in physicians seeking help, uh, when they're experiencing problems like this. Will you talk a little bit about, you know, what barriers you see, uh, in this process?
1: Yeah. So the, I'm so glad that you, 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 you're bringing up the barriers because they're huge. And many of them are, I mean, that you can like just divide them up into internal and external. There is internal barriers of that whole sense of pride when you have like a wounded warrior, you know? I'm the warrior, so now I'm like wounded. I can't like, you know, how am I gonna be seeking help? There's a lot of shame that comes with that. Um, so that, that's a huge, huge barrier. Um, it comes also with it, um, you know, sometimes denial, you know, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm continuing, uh, this is just temporary, um, you know, and, and a lot of physicians come from these kind of high, high achieving backgrounds, you know, they have to like get through a lot of hardships to get to where they are in their career. And many times that, that sense of, um, of looking at that becomes a lot of it is self-blame, you know, and, and how could that happen to me, you know, uh, kind of piece. The other external barriers continue to be like the, the shame about getting uh, help revolve around the fear of um, reports to insurance or reports to things that can actually stop the physicians from practicing anymore. And I think we've done some steps towards making these accommodations true with the Americans with Disabilities Act and even identifying more what a short-term disability and what's a midterm um, disability uh, to enable people to take time to recover. Yet there is like a lot more room for us to do in this area to accommodate physicians who, uh, who had fallen just because of um, you know the normal course of action. Many of it is actually induced also by the hardship that they're finding in taking care of very ill um, um, patients. And
0: the volume of that, which 100%. must be astronomical. Yeah. When you, you think about your experience at Cedar sinai and what you've been doing to support physicians during this time, is there anything that stands out as particularly helpful
1: yeah, I mean, I think we've we've identified a very important paradigm that we've written about um, about 12 or 15 years ago, which is this whole issue of physician wellness is not a one-way street. It's not just physicians taking great care of themselves. It's a two-way street, meaning that the individual, the person, has to do things to keep their hardware, you know, their body, their and and and, and mind uh, in a good place, but also their software, their approach to things, that meaning to have more of a positive attitude. So that's the individual's responsibility. And the second one is very important is the healthcare system responsibility, the organizational uh, responsibility in maintaining and preventing uh, burnout and improving wellness. So we always see wellness as individual interventions, that things I could do as a person, and things that the workplace could do as a place. And at and sinai we've been doing a lot of education about that. We've done really uh, a nice uh, uh, series that runs actually actually every month. It's a wellness program. And we alternate one time. We talk about an individual intervention, let's say meditation or nutrition, uh, or even using nutraceuticals. and another one becomes uh, picking one of the workplace interventions, whether it's management of workload, whether it's how you manage rewards, how you uh, actually give more job control, and how you do positive work environment. This is, I think, uh, a culture at Cedar sinai that has been very admirable to me. I've been here for 20 years. And the culture of dignity and respect has been there from day one when I got here. So... As we all say, yeah, respect is earned, but no, now it's becoming, respect is a basic right of every person who comes to work, that everyone has to be treated by dignity and respect. And that's a high value of the organization itself.
0: Dr. Isak, thank you so much for being here and what you've been doing to support physicians. Uh, That's it for today's episode. We'll be back with another Moving Medicine video and podcast soon. In the meantime, make sure to click subscribe on our YouTube channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find all our podcasts and videos at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today and please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger
1: and this is is moving medicine.